Why are you so blue? <laughs> it's probably because I got my monitors here. Um, there we go. Okay, you look like a normal human being <laughs> color now. <laughs> my 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 work monitors are behind this laptop screen. I'm on my oh, desk, okay. and it had like a white uh, white screen on it, but it's obviously blue light, so it was making okay. me blue. Okay, yeah. don't look like an avatar anymore. Thank you. An avatar. Is that, that the, is that not what it was? The blue aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was, wasn't it? I don't Were think they avatars. They were, no avatar. Well, yeah. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Gascast podcast, the Bristol Rovers fans podcast, hosted this week by me, Max Alderson, and with me to talk about all things BS7 are Ollie Nino and Tom Metcalf. Good evening, boys. How are we doing? Don't want to answer at once, then. I am doing very well, thank you, Max. How are you doing, Max? You can go now. Yeah, all good. How's it? Yes, good, good, good. Uh, Nino, you that was, said... That was seamless, I reckon. No, that one, was, yeah, seamless. no one will notice that he pulls that up. No one noticed that we absolutely <laughs> cocked up our intro and had to cut all that out and redo it. No. Um, yeah, Nino, you said uh, Nino, you said you were itching to uh, record tonight as you wanted to rant and get a lot off your chest. Um, I actually do want to start this episode off with a rant section. Um, I kind of want to open the floor up. This is a very safe space all your anger and frustration about the football club, all your toxic thoughts that you may have, just get them out and then we'll see if uh, we feel better talking about the rest of what's on my schedule here or if it just makes us massively depressed and worse. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you have uh, anything you want to rant about about uh, Rovers at the minute? I mean everything at the moment, but um, I'll, I'll narrow it down to just, just the one thing. I think at the moment, the thing that's really boiling my piss is listening to Joey Barton speak about everything to do with the club when he goes on about how, you know, he's got to turn around a losing mentality to a winning mentality. Well, that's, that's going swimmingly. And then, you know, he's, he keeps comparing himself to Jesus, which is actually really starting to get on my nerves now talking about not turning. He thought he could turn water into wine and stuff like this. I'm like, you're not Jesus, mate, calm down. Like we can see that it's not, you're not Jesus. We can see by the, by the results, but I think the thing that's annoying me the most is how he just keeps saying, we're going to get promoted. We're going to do it. And I'm thinking, I don't, I think it's more likely that we'll get relegated than promoted at this point. I really can't see it at all. Um, so I just, you know, when you get those managers who are just completely delusional and we've said it from the start, you know, he came in, he made a rod for his own back by slagging off Ghana and, you know, Tisdale and that. And I just feel like he's, he talks a very, very good game, but at the moment, obviously, results aren't there. And it's just the more he talks a good game, the more it's just getting my back up. So that's my um, that's my main gripe, I'd say, at the moment, my my primary gripe. The problem with uh, talking uh, a load of... Um, uh, talking the big game in the media is that eventually you do have to back it up with results and <laughs> you can't just keep losing <laughs> and keep saying the same things. Um Nino, I'm going to open the floor up to you. The stage is yours, my friend. Um, give us your rant on uh, Joey Barton and the football club. Um, <clears throat> well, I'd say, I'd say that Metz has covered a lot of what I was going to say, which I'm glad he did because I didn't really have anything lined up, to be honest, and he's, he's bailed me out a little bit. I guess the only things I would add off the back of that is one of the other things he's saying constantly in his post-match interviews, which is really pissing me off, and he, he said it three or four times now, he said it after Orient, is that um, he goes on about the fact that he's away from his kids, he's away from his wife, he wants to take his kids to school in the morning, he wants to you know, go to bed with his wife at night, he's moved away from home to be a, make this club a success, blah, blah, blah. And he basically just gets the violin out and tries, you know, does the poor me act. And I'm sat there thinking, no one made you take this job. Uh, it was completely your choice whether to take this job or not. You know where Bristol is. You know Bristol's not in or near Liverpool. You know that you had to live away from home and go and see your family rarely on weekends. And you wouldn't be saying any of this if you were winning games. He wouldn't be coming out if we beat Orient 3-0 and going, 
oh, it's a great win, but I'm really missing my wife and kids. He wouldn't be saying that. He's saying it because he knows the fans are giving him shit. He knows the fans are on his back. He knows the pressure's building. And it, he's getting, as I said, he's getting his violin out and doing the, oh, poor me. I'm living away from my family. I'm trying really hard. Yeah, mate, you're getting paid very, very well to be a football manager. You know, you're not a bin man or you're not living away from home to, you know, work in a sewer sewerage or whatever. You know, you're doing a very, very nice cushy job in reality that a load of people would love to have and yeah okay you have to work away from home but do better like do a better job and you wouldn't have to you know do this poor me thing it just is doing my head in and the only other thing i was going to say is i guess from a selfish point of view obviously none of us were able to go to games last season um and for me personally, I, having moved back to Bristol slash Western, I was really looking, and I got a season ticket this year for the first time in I think 10 seasons. And I was really looking forward. I was just buzzing to get back to the Mem as we all were. And I'm just hating it. Like I'm just not enjoying it at all. The whole atmosphere around the football club is vile. It's so toxic. You can tell how divided the fan base is. Um, I'm just... I'm just not enjoying my time as a gasset right now. Like nothing about it is fun or appealing. I know before we started recording, uh, we were saying about Warsaw this weekend and you and I are going, Max, and we were both saying, just can't be asked. Like we don't want to go. And that pretty much the only reason we're going is because we can make a bit of fun of the day in general around the football, because we know that the football itself is going to be a miserable experience for 90 minutes. And that pisses me off because I was just buzzing to get back to the Mem and Barton has ruined it for me. Yeah, I'm looking at like other clubs um, celebrating and talking about how good it is to be back and, oh, I've missed 90th minute winner scenes and all this. Oh, we had, we've been playing so well lately, et cetera, et cetera. And I just feel like loathing for everyone else who's actually enjoying being back in grounds. I fully agree. Um, and yeah, I, I like what you said about the violin. Graham Coughlin, probably the only man in football history to get the violin act out when he's got the club at its highest point in 35 years, as opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to me when you're losing. Um, yeah, no, I find no, that's a really good point. Um, for me, Barton talked the talk last season, as we've all said, um, and he told us in no uncertain terms that we would be getting promoted and have a team that we would be proud of this season. Um, he kept saying, you know, we'd be match fit, attacking, positive. Um, and he signed 17 players this summer. 17. Um, that's almost as much as Paul Buckle signed last time we got relegated to this level. And from what I can tell so far, it's a worse squad than last season. I mean, granted, obviously, you know, we're, we've lost like Luke McCormick and Luke Leahy and some actual League One players. But, you know, a lot of the players we've got rid of, we could have probably kept, um, you know, Tatonda. George Williams, the like that Hanlon and Iunga. I think if we wanted to, James Daly, we, we probably could have kept them. Um, but it's a worse squad as far as I can see in general. I know it's only been eight games so far in League Two, but the three teams who have come down with us, Swindon, Rochdale, Northampton, they're all in the top 10. And before Saturday, they were all in the playoffs or promotion spots. Um, well, we're 22nd in the league. Uh, you know, I've seen no, no signs of a game plan. I couldn't tell you what our tactics are, what we're trying to do to win games. We are incredibly easy to beat uh, and scoring a single goal in any game just seems painfully laborious to us. Uh, and for me, Barton is just totally failing as a manager with a squad that he assembled, not Widrington, not previous managers, purely him on his own. Um, and he's been the one in total control of transfers and it's just backfired completely. I think the thing for me is, I just feel so apathetic, like despite the rant I just went on, which probably sounds like I'm not apathetic. I just, when I turn up at the Mem, I'm just, uh, I just, I'm almost like, just, I don't care. Like we've been so bad for so long. We have been shite for two years, basically. Either the football's been crap or the results have been crap or most of the time both. And at the moment it's both. And I'm just at that point now where like even on um, Saturday when Pittman won the penalty or whoever it was, Saunders won the penalty and Pittman scored it, I literally did not react to that penalty going in. Like I didn't smile. I didn't clap. I didn't make any kind of noise. I was just stood there dead behind the eyes. I was just like, I felt nothing. And 
and there was I really enjoyed the chance of you know we scored a goal blah 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 after afterwards and I joined in with those but I'm just at that point where it's just like whatever I just don't care like yes we've lost again well okay yeah. move on and um yeah I just I, I mean I never felt like this under Buckle I didn't feel like this under any other manager Penny McGee you know when we were doing badly under those I was still angry and still cared and and he's just sucked all the enthusiasm out of me and uh yeah how how much of that do you think is uh the ongoing discourse with Barton and his upcoming court cases is that in the back of your mind when you're looking at the football club and does that just feel like um a, like a cloud overhanging the whole situation that regardless of how he's doing he may be sacked in a couple of months anyway and despite knowing that the club is kind of backing him despite that no not for me um for me it's purely like like Nina was saying it's it's bad results, but I think even worse is the football. It's really bad. Um, I'm, like even Graham's football was bad, but we were getting results, so you could kind of tolerate it. You could kind of stomach it. Whereas this is literally just aimless hoofball a lot of the time to players who aren't suited to whatever system he's trying to play. It's chop and change. It's there's no you can't see what he's trying to do. At least with Garner when he came in, you could see what he was trying to do, the system he was trying to implement. Here, it's just like, he's just getting the tombola out on a Saturday morning, picking out the team and being like, right, go on then, uh, play 4-3-3, whatever, go on, just crack on. And that's what's upsetting me is I'm just like, every time I watch, I'm just like, oh my God, this is this is terrible. And I look at games like Crawley and yeah, we, we played some okay football, but we didn't, we didn't play well. They could have easily, they had a couple of really, really good Goal scoring chances, Tom Nichols, uh, you know, completely out of character, missed a really good uh, chance in front of the Blackthorn. But that's what's upsetting me at the moment. The results, you know, are, are where they are. But watching that kind of dross essentially week in, week out is just really soul destroying for me personally. Yeah, I mean, I, I was last on air um, after the 1 0 Oldham win. And I think. Um, we all got a bit carried away on that pod, me included. Um, because you look at that now, Oldham are rock bottom on four points. They're clearly going down. Like they're, they're in so much trouble off the pitch as well as on it. They're just absolute whipping boys of this division. And we scraped past them 1-0 after having a good 45 minutes in the first half. And since then, there's just, you know, you, you really wanted to see build on that and at least for the performances to improve and confidence to get going and, just for there to be some green shoots of, you know, green shoots of recovery from that game. And there's, it's, if anything, it's just got worse and worse and worse. Like we got battered at Exeter, got battered on Saturday. We drew with 10-man Barrow. There's just been nothing. There's n- absolutely no signs that Barton can turn this around, as far as I can see. There's not one thing I can sit here and point to right now that says, yes, we're shit, but that gives me some hope. Like there's, there's literally nothing. I'd, I mean, but we are getting promoted. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, we're going up. Don't get me wrong, but um, yeah. I think that's what frustrates me is him saying we're going up. I'm like, I look at us in over open play, and we just, we just don't create anything. Like we we don't create any like next to no chances to score goals in games against Orient. Yeah, we won the penalty. Other than that, I think we had the chat a couple of snapshots from Pittman and Collins in the first half. Um, and then a couple of efforts in the second half when Orient was sitting back 3-0 up, very comfortable having won the game. Uh, you know, Barrow, you know, they had 10 men. We created nothing against 10 men. Crawley was really laborious. You know, we had a couple of chances, but it was just so laboured and it was incredibly frustrating Like to, to see say, oh, we will get promoted. Based on what? We cannot defend. You know, League Two, yes, it's a tough league, but it's also a simple league. The two things you have to do well in League Two is defend set pieces and defend crosses. That's where most of the goals come from in this league. Set pieces and wingers getting crosses into the box to big men. And, you know, you look at Leighton Orient. Their first goal was a corner, near post. Biggest man on the pitch is unmarked at the near post and heads it in. And the second was a, a set piece we failed to clear because we were completely unorganised and the bloke rifles it in. And the third was just someone completely free on the wing, gets a cross in, nobody blocks the cross. And again, a free header. And it's, it's just 
easy, easy football. It's it's easy. And you were going on about Graham Coughlin and at least he had a plan. You're bang on right he had a plan. He played to the strength of his forwards. He had a striker and he played to Johnson's strengths and he had a solid defence that could defend. He was well set up against set pieces. He was well set up against blocking crosses in the low block. And, you know, he used his outlet of a striker. I look at Barton's side. We do not play to the strength of any of our strikers. We've got Collins and Pittman who probably need it to feet or chances in the box. And we're playing it over their heads like they're, you know, like they're kind of speedsters that are going to run through on goal. It's just, you know, that's probably why Saunders has done well because he is the fastest there and he does get on the end of some of those. But we're not playing to the strengths of the squad we've assembled. And that's just the sign of a manager who doesn't know how to manage the side that he has built. This is all his players. He's recruited for this. And what is this? I think what, yeah, that's that's all really good points. One of the most concerning things for me is that obviously he came in last season after the January transfer window and was going on about how, you know, he's got no opportunity to bring in his own players. He's having to work with what he's got. The recruitment under Widrington and Garner and Tisdale wasn't good enough. And he's been lumbered with all these players that he's got to manage now, blah, blah, blah. But, he had us playing far better with that squad of players than he has with his own. Like I actually thought of it. Okay. Yeah. We came bottom and we went down. Obviously we all know that, but I actually thought he came in. I actually thought the football improved. Like we were pressing high up the pitch. We were pressing really well. We were creating chances. We didn't have the strikers to put the chances away, but that doesn't mean we were playing bad football. I thought a lot of the time we were actually playing well last season under Barton, Like we were attacking well. We had McCormick there creating chances, scoring goals, and yeah, Hanlon, Younger and Daly couldn't take what we were creating. And that's why we went down at the end of the day. And we had defenders at the other end of the pitch who would make individual mistakes. But we were playing so much better and so much more cohesive, so much more as a team than we are this season. Like you said at the start, Max, he had the whole summer to bring in his squad of players. And that's what he's got now. And they still, eight games in, just look like complete strangers. Uh, he chops and changes the lineup every week. You know, the defence is different every game. The attack's different every game. The central midfield's different every game. You had Josh Grant at right wing back on Saturday, which is back to Tom Parks on the wing. Aimer at right wing back levels of absolute shite. Like, what is he doing? Why is Josh Grant at right wing back? As soon as I saw that, I just thought, this guy's cracking. Like, he's, he's got to that stage that all Rovers managers get to eventually where they just start putting players in random positions just because they're just absolutely losing the plot. And that kind of feels like where he's got to for me now. And yeah, I mean, I think I'm done with that, to be honest. Yeah. A good point on, you know, playing to strengths. Last season, I agree with you, you know, we're pressing high at the pitch and all that, but he simultaneously was doing that and we were running out of steam at about 70 minutes. But then he would complain that the players weren't fit enough to play a system so it's like, right, well, either they're not fit enough, so don't play the system. And that's the that's the solution to, you know, you can't force people to be what they're not. And this season, again, it's like you said, playing balls over the top for Brett Pittman isn't, it's not his game. It's, it's just not going to happen. So like you said, Max, once he's brought in his own squad, you think at least he'd have an idea of how he wants to play, but it doesn't seem like there is a plan there at all, at it's- all. It's like, looking at it, it's like we built a side to play with a big number nine, but we don't have a big number nine. And we, the one we did get, we got on deadline day as a last minute thing. So it's like, had we not got that Leon Clark on deadline day, who, by the way, is out injured for a long time, according to reports. Potentially you know, forever. Yeah, potentially we may, may not see yeah, that is That is quite a long-term injury, isn't it, really? Yeah, <laughs> the longest injury. Lifetime, yeah. Um, it's, it's like... Well, how can this have been the plan if you waited till deadline day to get someone in who, let's be honest, wasn't on a lot of teams at this level shopping list um, and isn't particularly big either. I mean, he did, he obviously scored a great header on his debut and he, he did look tidy against Hartlepool before he got injured, but this cannot be what he's recruited to build his attack around. You need to have a focal point for your attack. It cannot be Brett Pittman if you're blasting balls over the top of his head. And if it is, the team just aren't playing the way you've told them to. I just don't understand what he... It, it feels to me like he signed players because they're good players, not because he he had a plan of how he wanted to play. He, a lot of the players like Saunders, um, Coots, Finlay, uh, Whelan, he knows them. He knows they're good players and they were just easy players for him to sign. 
And then he signed, you know, and Anderson, good player, you know, Collins, good player, but it doesn't Pitt, Pittman, obviously a good finisher, but it doesn't point to a game plan or a system that he's tried to recruit for at all. Um, you know, even the wingback system, you know, we, we, we play with wingbacks and we put wingers there. Um, Rodman winger. Yeah. He did play a bit of wingback last season. Um, injured. Anderson, right wing back. Again, he's a natural winger. He, not the best defensively at right wing back. And he's semi-injured, I think. He didn't start for some reason at right wing back and Grant did. Left wing back, Trevor Clark injured. And we got no backup option at left wing back until we brought in Junior Brown. So just like if you're playing with wing backs, why are your wing back options so weak? If this if this is like the focus of the tactic, why why are your wing back options not good wing backs? Um not obviously can't really judge Trevor Clark until he's you know properly played, but Anderson looks weak defensively, Rodman injury prone. Um and Brown had a pretty much a five out of 10 debut. So hard to really judge that, but it's just, I just don't see what we're trying to do. I just don't, I, my, my, my mind just boggles. Like you have a, you have a blank piece of paper, build a squad, build a tactic. What was on that piece of paper? What, why have we recruited so badly for this system? That's so obviously built around a number nine and we've not got an F in number nine. It's just, I, I can't, my, my mind's just my head's just gone basically matt take completely it completely gone completely gone this is it with the the number nine situation we had two pretty decent number nines at the club when he joined we had hanlon i mean i wouldn't say he's an out and out number nine but when he came on at exeter i thought he changed the game i thought he looked really lively and he scored against he's just scored against man city tonight Ayunga, i would have kept him personally because you know he is he can be that focal point and actually, you know, I was a bit nervous when we were go- looking like we we're going into the season with an injured Brett Pittman. But then Leon Clark absolutely transformed us, I thought. I, he was exactly, I agree with you. I was kind of like, oh, you know, he's pulling one out of the dustbin a little bit here. Rejected by quite a few clubs. He's 36, you know, I'm thinking, is he really going to be our number nine? And then, yeah, the goal he scored against Crawley, I thought, do you know what, actually, is exactly what we need. And that kind of first, what, 30 minutes he lasted against Hartlepool was exactly what we needed. Winning headers, being that focal point for the attack. And I thought, do you know what? This is maybe what, if we'd had him last season, I was thinking, you know, that focal point, that finisher, maybe, you know, we would have not finished rock bottom. But how can you hang your hopes on a 36-year-old who then, you know, gets injured and potentially life end, uh, life ending, sorry, career ending injury. <laughs> it's not okay, like that room. <laughs> life ending injury, bloody hell. Injured forever, life ending injury. I'm, I'm coming out with all of it tonight. But that's what I mean. It's like you said, Max, like if you are recruiting for a system, don't have the, like the linchpin of the whole system, that number nine, Joey said it himself, that platform. Don't be relying on someone who's, potentially not well definitely not going to play every game potentially not even going to make the end of the season when you've shipped out to i think decent candidates from the squad it's it's mad leon clark was a pure desperation signing though wasn't it like yeah deadline day 38 or whatever he is had barely had a pre-season as far as i'm aware um yeah, didn't have a club because no one else wanted him. And we were scrambling around trying to find a number nine because we hadn't signed one in the previous three months that we'd had to bring one in. And he goes out and gets Leon Clark and then shock horror, he gets injured. Like, yeah, obviously he's going to get injured. He's nearly as old as my dad and he hadn't had a preseason. Yes, he's injured. Big whoop. Like, are we all, are any of us meant to be shocked here that this has happened? Um, it's just pathetic. Like, he went on so much last season about how bad the strikers were that Widrington had brought in. And he's just lumbered us with a load of absolute shite. Like, we haven't got any goals in us yet again. Yeah. And, and, and why? Like, we have one of the biggest budgets in the league. That is a fact. You know, I pretty sure Collins was out of contract at Forest Green and we offered him more money than they could offer him. You know, it's, it's, it's obvious we've got money. Why could we not sign a number nine? Like we had all summer to do it. Just the, the, yeah, the mind just, the mind just boggles. Um, right. Should we get this podcast back on track a little bit? Um, was that all in the rant section, was, by the way? Yeah. None, I'm, we've not hit any of the rest of the schedule. I just kind of, 
there was a lot of good content going on. I wanted to keep it going. Once, so. once you open that lid, it's, it's yeah. difficult to get it back on. Pandora's <laughs> yeah. box. Sludge starts coming out. It's difficult. The, the toxic contents of Pandora's <laughs> box at Bristol Rovers. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, we kind of covered a lot of this. I mean, I got I got a news section written down here, but we talked about Leon Clark's injury. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, while. Nino, do you think the wool is over Wiles' eyes with Barton? Is he, is he trying to play down the situation? and, and trying Well, to... part of the reason I'm so apathetic and um, uninfused about this season is because I find it embarrassing how we've swung so, so much from the plan we had, the philosophy we had when Ghana came in of recruiting all these younger exciting up-and-coming type players who we were going to coach mold into what we wanted and they were either going to become you know stars for us or we were going to sell them on and make a profit you know i think when while released i think he released a statement on the rovers website basically talking about like the, the five pillars of the club or something and it was all about you know bringing these younger players in blah 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 and yeah okay it didn't go well because we finished rock bottom and went down so everyone knows that that failed but I think everyone was on board with that. Like, I don't think anyone saw that plan come out from the club and thought the club don't know what they're doing. I think everyone actually thought the opposite and thought for once Rovers actually look like they're showing some long-term thinking and actually have a sustainable plan for the future of the club. Um, and I think, yeah, as I said, it didn't go well last season, but I think all it needed was some tweaks. Like the players we brought in, I don't think it's the fact that they were younger that made us so shite last season. They just weren't very good. Like Aimer, not very good. Baldwin, not very good. Westbrook, okay, but not really what we needed. Um, Hanlon are younger and Daly. There wasn't any goals in them, as had been shown in their previous records at previous clubs. So who was shocked at that? No one. I don't think the philosophy was wrong. It just needed changing slightly. But instead of that, We've just gone completely the opposite end of the spectrum, completely disregarded that whole philosophy. There's absolutely zero forward thinking at the club anymore or aiming for sustainability or wanting to mould younger players and sell them on. It's like None of it is gone. We're just now signing four players on deadline day who are all all 30 plus. Maybe what? No, Evans was younger, wasn't he? But we're just signing a load of players who best years were 10 years ago and we're just trying to squeeze the last drops left in them and it's just such a pathetic abandonment of something that I was really excited about when Ghana came in and I just think that it's so weak like the leadership is just so weak and reactive and instead of sticking to his guns and showing a bit of balls and sticking with the philosophy that he shouted about from the rooftops He's just completely abandoned it because it went wrong one season and it infuriates me massively. Yeah, it shouldn't change just because you've gone down a division. It does feel like a lot of short-termism going on just to get us back up quickly. Um, let's sign these experienced pros who have been there, done it, who can who can work together and, and like quickly get us back up. They're all on one-year contracts so and next year we can just try again. That's how I see it. Um, but... I don't think the players we've signed are anywhere near good enough to do that for us. Um, and, and I just look at the club now and I look at it the last time we got relegated, 10 years ago, we were in this league under Paul Buckle. It's a good comparison. We keep mentioning Paul Buckle, but I think it is a good comparison because it was the last time we had an overhaul on this level, you know, 17 players. You know, I think Buckle had 19 or 20. Um, and, you know, they're kind of similar characters, both quite arrogant, Barton and, and Buckle. And uh, both struggled, have struggled, obviously. So I think it's a fair comparison and it is exactly 10 years ago, 2011. And I just don't think the club's gone anywhere in 10 years. Yeah, I think we'll always be grateful that the debt has been written off by Wael Arcadi. That's obviously a huge, huge step off the field. Building our own training ground, obviously a huge, a huge thing for the football club. Um, but it really, you know, we're exactly where we were 10 years ago. We've not really progressed. Our, we were talking about when we went up last time, that um, last time we went up, we were saying, you know, the League One should be our, our baseline now. We shouldn't really be going lower than this now. We should try and have be a League One championship yo-yo club instead of a League Two, League One yo-yo club. 
but we just haven't, you know, we, we've regressed back and we've fallen into the same habits that we did 10 years ago, that we did 20 years ago. And I think a lot of that apathy is down to uh, a lot of fans being like, well, we're just going in circles. We're not, we're not going anywhere. And will we ever go anywhere until we make those, obviously the huge step of, of getting a bigger stadium. That's the only thing that will, but even that's like, you know, attendances are a rock bottom at the minute, you know, fans should be, piling into stadiums at the minute given they've had a year off of football to have the attendances we have had at home this season uh, is abysmal given that fans haven't been at the club for a year you know we've got the same old points of you know we've got an aging fan base um, we've got less and less younger fans who will probably go across the river and go see you know a, a big football stadium at Ashton Gate and at a higher standard they choose that over whatever the hell we're doing and I think for me you know, ten years ago under Paul Buckle, and it's it's hard for me because I, I was I was so young when Buckle was here. I was only um, 16, 17, um, 16, 17 years old, and it was like, well, this I was still young. I was like, let's just be optimistic about this. Now I'm ten years older. I'm I'm twenty six. I, I kind of do see it as of being fan for a longer period of time, where I'm just like, well, we're no better than we were ten years ago for me. So I feel apathetic, and I just wonder whether older fans felt that way under Paul Buckle. Um, Nina, you said that you just, you said earlier that you, you, that you do feel that it's different from when Buckle was here. In what respect, sorry? In, in the respect that you still felt enthusiastic under Buckle, but you just don't feel that at all now. Do you think that's because you were younger back then or because this is genuinely different this time? And I, no, I do think it's because of just how we've, like I said a minute ago, how we've just abandoned this long-term thinking that, I think when he came out and, and said that and appointed Garner and we were signed loads of those younger players, I genuinely think it was the first time that I'd ever looked at Rovers and thought, blimey, like we're actually trying to do something quite innovative here and forward thinking and something a bit outside the box. And it's just, it's gone. Like, and now we've just gone back to signing, as I said, just a load of old injury prone players who we're not going to see much let's just I just feel no connection to any of these old players who have you know had the best of their careers and are just with us for one last year for a last payday I feel absolutely zero affinity to any of those players whereas I did for the younger players who brought in under Ghana I mean I didn't towards the end of the season but at the start of the season (laughs) when I still liked them all I did feel an affinity because they're young, they're up and coming, they're with us because they're trying to get their careers kick-started. And I was like fully behind them and really on board with that. And I don't feel that for any of these players, to be honest. It's like jobs um, for the boys. Yeah, exactly. And to go back to Wild a minute, because I, I think that's the section we're on, is it? Are we on Wild yes. at the moment? Yeah. Um, so to go back to Wild, it's diff- it is difficult with him because obviously he cleared the debt and like any or like every other gas head I'll forever be grateful for him for doing that because financially we are in such a much stronger position now since he's done that but I don't think that means that he can be absolved of criticism for how he's leading the club because at the end of the day he is the one making the key decisions at the club and the club is failing horrendously and has done for the last two years and his record of appointments since he took over is terrible uh, obviously Daryl went he kind of got forced. He couldn't. He didn't have any choice but to hire Coughlin because of how he did in, in his um, in his period. So he hired Coughlin. Obviously went well. But then since then, Garner, Tisdale, Barton. It's just it's just terrible. Like it's it's so bad. And I'm just just the leadership. I'm just I don't know what he's doing. He's just he swings so much from one direction to the other to the other, and it's just going from one extreme to the next. And I just can't see any long-term thinking at all anymore it's just it's so short term and the fact it's so short I think if you do something like we're doing this season where you're bringing in a load of older players on one-year contracts you are basically saying like we are going for promotion this season and that's the aim that's what we're going to do and then next season maybe we will go back to some longer-term thinking I think that's why there's so much anger as well because he's done that we've gone with this new route and it's just it's failing so badly. It's just, it's just pathetic. Yeah. You can't with that kind of short termism, even if we did somehow get, well, regardless if we get promoted or not, we're going to have to do another rebuild in the summer. There's no, like you said, there's no long-term thinking at all there. It's just, 
rebuild after rebuild after rebuild. And he's basically said to Joey Barton, here you go, here's the, rain, here's the keys to the kingdom. Do what you want. Clear out the backroom staff. Get your own people in. Clear out the playing squad. Here's a checkbook kind of thing. And it just... When you don't have that continuity, and you can, it translates onto the pitch because we've said it before, they look like strangers, all of them. If we'd kept that squad, I mean, granted, we probably wouldn't have been able to keep tons of them. But if we kept that kind of core of the squad that came down, at least then you have a base to build off and you can say, okay, maybe we need like a commanding centre-back, which we did, you know, a big target man. But a lot of the players around that were good enough, easily good enough for League 2. So to have this massive rebuild and then we're also planning to have a massive rebuild next summer. It's just like, oh my God. And I mean, it's a good job while has deep pockets because it, it, it doesn't come cheap signing players every summer like that. It's, it's a lot of money. And the thing is as well, like obviously um, in the summer, you know, we, we got rid of George Williams and people like, well, Luke Lee, he chose to leave, but, I remember on Twitter and the forum and stuff, people were like, oh, George Williams, he's nothing special. We'll replace him. You know, Luke Lee, he, oh, yeah, he was our top scorer last season, but, you know, he's nothing special. We'll be able to replace him. Both of them would walk into our side right now. Yep. They would be first choice. 100% they would both be first choice, as would Hanlon. As would who, Totonda. I think Totonda would get this side. Yeah. At left there's, back. there's so many players who, yeah, okay, didn't shine in League One, but they are comfortably better than what we recruited over the summer. And we would be so much more of a solid, more cohesive side with probably four or five of those players left in with a few new signings sprinkled around them than we are with this just completely new bunch of players. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, it just, it's, it's, so, it's so annoying. I'm just like lost for words with how frustrated I am, to be honest. Shall we talk about the late Orient game uh, while we're in a positive mood? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> We got no choice. We're going to anyway. Um, Rovers <laughs> lost three one at home to Leighton Orient. Three 0 down at half time. First was um, as I said earlier, a goal unmarked at the near post from a corner. The second a screamer following a set piece that was left uncleared, and the third a free header from a cross. Um, first half I thought was decent until the first goal. Um, like right before they they had that corner and scored. We, we had a couple of chat snapshots and then uh, Collins went through on goal, um, tackled his man what I thought was fairly, ref gave it the other way. Um, and I think we probably would have been 1-0 up from that chance and probably deservedly so. Um, but I guess it just shows, one, the lack of planning to completely crumble under a de- uh, set piece and two, just mental weakness to go 3-0 down so quickly. Um, I look back earlier before we recorded on the goals that we've conceded this season uh, and so many of them have either come from wingers being on the other side of the wing back, either they've beaten them for pace or they've like tricked their way past. Um, and the back three are just so narrow that it gives this winger a free cross or an overload on that side um, to get across into to a striker or get into the box. Uh, also a few instances of size doubling up their wingers and fullbacks on against our wing back. And it's, it's just too easy. I think all the goals have just come from out wide and we've just looked so weak there. Um, so my question, and I've pretty much it's a pretty loaded question, basically how I've just come and approached this, but um I think I pretty much confirmed why I think we need to go to a back four. But my question is Mets, would you change to a back four, or do you think the problems we're having are just um because our first choice wing backs are, like in Clark and Rodman are out injured? I I would I would go back to a back four, actually. Um I and it's exactly because our first choice wing backs are injured. And we are getting done down the sides of the back three every time. I mean, especially at Exeter, I think all their goals uh, came from them getting in behind Rodman and Anderson. And, and it's just, we just look so exposed there. And obviously our back three isn't blessed with pace either. So as soon as they get onto them, if anyone's got a bit of pace about them, they can blast through them. And especially I'm going to, I'm, I'm picked out Hughes last time for kind of criticism when we last recorded I'm going to do it again because I, I think he's dire I really don't understand why he's why Barton's brought him in he was meant to be this leader in this you know powerhouse of a defender and he's he's dross he's absolute dross so for me back four just try for god's sake and just keep him out 
like you know everything starts with a good defense and i know as soon as you know we start losing games everyone calls for 442 i don't even think 442 would save us i think a back four would help but then you're looking at right who who are the players that would play in that for me it would be taylor and kilgore mm, probably center backs but then right back you're looking at luca hall who's coming back from injury he'd probably be our first choice right back right now which is a bit of a worry considering how young he is. And then left back, you're looking at Anderton, who hasn't been all that convincing at left centre back. So you're kind of like, even if we did swap to a back four and maybe had kind of two sitting midfielders to really screen it, even then you're like, you're thinking it looks weak. And that's going back again. That's what Joey's recruited. Yeah, to have no right back in the squad is pretty abysmal. We had exactly the same problem last season until we signed George Williams in January. We had no right back. We've done it again. I, I, I just can't believe that we've not built a squad that, that could adapt to different situations at all. Yeah, so, I mean, I I think... I, obviously, we've played back three most of the time this season and looked so vulnerable. Was it... Yeah, it was the Exeter game where every time they came forward, they looked like they were going to score. Like literally every single attack they had, they, they were just carving through us and looked like they were going to score. They were getting down the, the sides of our back three so easily. And we, I just don't think the centre-backs he's recruited suit a back three. Like he's clearly recruited for that to be plan A, to play a wing-back system. But for me, the only centre-back we've got who looks comfortable in any way playing as one of the wider three as one of the wider center backs is harry's because he's got a little bit of pace and he's got a bit of mobility and when you're one of the wider center backs you quite often have to go out wide to you know defend against the winger because the wing back will be far up the pitch because they've just attacked the other team will counter and the wider center back has to move out to defend against a, a quick tricky winger and we've only got harry's who looks like he can do that to me you know kilgore we know he's slow he's never been blessed with pace Hughes is slow. Anderton's just an... Oh, I don't even know where to start on Nick Anderson. I just... I don't see any redeeming features to that bloke whatsoever, apart from he's built like a fridge freezer and he can get his head on a few things. But he, he's so slow. He's so cumbersome. He looks dodgy as hell every time he gets the ball. Um, he doesn't look like he suits playing on the left of a back three to me. I don't trust him there up against a quick tricky winger whatsoever. I just, other than Taylor to play in the middle of it, there's not one centre back who I look at and think suits playing in a back three. So then you go, okay, yeah, let's play a back four. But then as we've said, who would you play right back at the moment? It has to be Josh Grant basically, because there's no one else to play there. And then you've got Taylor next to someone because Taylor looks comfortably the best centre-back at the club to me at the moment. Age left, 19. <laughs> age 19. And left-back, you have to play Brown, basically. Well, I would, personally, because I wouldn't play Anderton. So you've got to play Brown. And as far as I'm aware, he didn't have a preseason. He's 32 or so. So, I mean, he was released by Scunthorpe as well, I believe, who are below us, even. So, I mean, I'm not expecting much from him, to be honest. Um so, I mean, as Met said, that that as a back four just does not scream promotion to me, like Joey's bleating on about. That screams scraping bottom half of League Two, if, if we're lucky. Like I, I, And then you, you go forward. I think the thing I thought against Orion is that until we brought Saunders on, who's got a bit of pace and offers a threat in behind teams, we had absolutely no pace on that pitch to stretch Orient at all. Like Pittman, we know what he's like. He's 38, 38 stone, slow, wants it to feed. That, that's, that's what he does. He's never going to run in behind. The wing backs, we had Josh Grant on the right, never going to stretch a side going the other way because he's a defensive midfielder. So that's fair enough. Brown, 32, slow, never going to stretch anyone. In the middle, Whelan, 50, never going to run in behind anyone. But, and the two attacking midfielders, who was at Evans, I like the look of Evans, to be fair, but he's not got any pace. He's not going to run in behind anyone. He also wants it to feet. What I'm trying to say is every single player on that pitch that started the game wanted the ball to feet. And Orient was so comfortable, just sat there when we had the ball, letting us knock it around in front of them. And we had absolutely zero threat in behind them. And when Saunders came on, it instantly changed because he's got he's absolutely blessed with loads of pace. He's always making runs in behind. 
And suddenly Orient had to go, okay, we can't, you know, push so high up the pitch because they've got an absolute speedster who can just run in behind us. And that's what he did to win the penalty. And it gave us a bit of a different dimension. And it gives, because they have to drop back, it gives all our other players a bit more space to play in the middle because they're not so pushed up on us. Um, so, I mean, in my opinion, he has to start basically because no one else in the squad offers what he does. There's literally no other pace in that team other than Anderson, who uh, wasn't fit enough to play at right wing back, who's also quick and can get in behind teams. There's just no one in that team with any pace. It's so one pace. It's it's just, yeah. You read my bloody script, mate. But I was going to that- come on to you next and say, are the centre-backs mobile enough for this formation? And then Harvey Saunders pacing behind does he need to start every game? You're just literally reeling off my points without even looking at the script here. I reckon say, when you edit the pod, just clip up what I've just said and just put it in again right now. <laughs> as, the as I ask the questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I, for me, Har- so- Harvey Saunders, uh, I've been so pleasantly surprised by him. Um, as I, I said on the last pod, I think, I think I, when he came in, I thought he'd just be your run of your mill fourth choice striker like your Gavin Riley or your James Daly, who would like maybe score five goals and he might still score five goals, but like, I think he's, he's had a clear cut chance um, or created a clear cut chance pretty much in every game he's, he's, he's started in or been in. I think, um, you know, he scored um, that header, his first goal, then he scored in the cup Um, away at Barrow. He came on as a sub, I think. And there was a brilliant ball over the top, which he brought round, went round the keeper and was so unlucky that um, the defender got in the way of it um, when he probably could have won us the game uh, against um, yeah, away at Hartlepool. He, um, he had a really good chance pretty much of his all his own making where he dribbled past a couple of players, got to a wide angle and shot. He just looks dangerous and he's the only striker who does. Um, I, you know, I quite like the look of Collins, but we're not playing to his strengths at all. We're playing it over his head and he needs it to feet. Um, I think him and Pittman are both poachers and we're just not creating chances for poachers to score. So, you know, he, he's looking really good. And, and for me, he does need to start every game. Um, do you have any thoughts on him, Mets? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think having him as, I mean, against Oldham, especially, he ran him ragged because they their, their back line wasn't especially fast. And we all we did was pump balls over the top and he, he'd get on the end of them. Like, out of nowhere, it's brilliant. But I think it also plays to Colin's strength because he is a classic number 10. He, he will go out wide he'll look for space he'll, he's wanting the ball but he's never in the box he wants to be creating more than you know that kind of focal point and for him having an outlet that isn't Brett Pittman who's not going to run having someone who he can put balls in behind or through to will bring out more of his game and I, I feel like him and Evans are way too similar to play in the same team essentially and I think is one of the reasons why Sean Spence isn't getting a look in at the minute. And actually maybe Luke Thomas to us, uh, kind of another ex- extent, they're all number 10s who are really good at, you know, providing, but there's no one to provide to. Well, there's one, there's Pittman, but it's very one dimensional kind of thing. So for me, yeah, I'd, I'd have him start pretty much every game now. I just think at, at this moment in time, whilst we're so disjointed and our football attacking wise is basically knock a long ball up or knock a ball over the top like that is our one route of attack at the moment you need Saunders on the pitch because no one else is going to do anything with that no one else has the pace to do anything with that like it's not pretty it's not particularly sophisticated but at least if Saunders is on the pitch stood on the shoulder of the last man a defender or a midfielder can look up and that actually is like a viable route to goal knock it over the defence and hopefully Saunders gets onto it before the keeper. That it's not Guardiola stuff, but it's that that is what we've got at the moment, basically. It's better than what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. an actual plan. Yes. Yeah. yeah. A good a good so, so you go. better than send what we've got. Send it to the Joey Barton School of Managing. Um, I'll, I'll put in a, a postcard know. to him. Yes. Um right, where do we go from here? Um big question then. Barton, in or out? Not pulling any punches here. It's um, there's no treading on eggshells around this one. Nino, Barton in or out? Um, so <sighs> in or out? <laughs> <laughs> it turned into Paxman all of a sudden. I would say in, despite oh. the fact I've slated him solidly for the you last half an hour. an hour. Despite that, I would say just in at the moment. 
That's not because I think he's doing a good job. I think he's doing an awful job. And it's not because I don't think there's anyone else out there who could do a better job. I think there probably is. Literally, the only reason I'm still in is just because of how fully in we've gone on him and how much getting rid of him isn't just getting rid of the manager. He's also brought in, or he, sorry, he took charge of recruitment. He brought in his own medical staff, I believe. Um, obviously, he brought in, he's brought in his own assistant manager and first team coach. They're all Barton appointments. But like the whole club, pretty much from top to bottom, is Joey Barton FC right now. And so you get rid of him and you kind of think, are we then recruiting nine other members of staff underneath him as well at the same time? And it just turns into an even bigger mess than it is at the moment. At least with Barton in charge, he is the man who's brought in all these staff members and all these players. And you can kind of argue that over time it will get better because hopefully he does have some kind of plan that we're not seeing right now. Whereas I just... It's, su- it's such a gamble. To bring in someone new at the moment is such a huge gamble. Um, but as I said, I don't see a single redeeming quality to him as a man or as a manager. So I'm not, <laughs> I don't want him in because I like him in any way. I think the mem on Saturday after the Orient game was so, so toxic. And usually once it gets to that point with the fans, it's very, very difficult for the manager to get it back from that. Um, you know, Barton came round and was clapping the fans and stuff and people were just giving him the wanker sign, telling him to fuck off back to Liverpool. And it was just like the whole Blackthorn um, that I was stood in was pretty much solidly giving him abuse the whole time he was walking off that pitch. You know, we're not quite back to the Buckle days because Buckle was getting booed onto the pitch. And (laughs) Joey's... Joey's not getting booed onto the pitch yet, but I mean, I, I honestly don't think we're far off that. Like, I think people are just done and it's going to be so, so hard for him to, to come back from here. But I'm in, but only because I don't like us being such a sacking club that we've turned into at the moment and I'm sick of all the change. So it's kind of like better the devil you know kind of thing. I'm going to go next if that's all right, just because I want to kind of play off what Nino said. Um, and that's a lot of people saying we can't keep sacking managers. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. If they're, if, if they're shit and they're not doing the job and it looks like we might be going down, we absolutely can keep sacking managers. If there's a better option out there, I personally think we should go for it. Um, so I am Barton out. Um, I get what you're saying, you know, about all the, um, staff coming in um, um, but we've gone all in on it and it's failed it's failed I can't see this turning around personally I just don't think there's any way back for it um, we failed we have to own that failure financially um, and rip it up and start again and it's got to be better we've got to do it better this time uh, whoever we bring in has to has to have League 2 experience for me they have to have managed at this level and done well at this level. They have to have managed under pressure for me. I don't want managers like Barton who have never come under any kind of sustained pressure like this. Managers like Garner who have never had to um, be in this kind of situation. I, I don't want like passenger kind of managers like Tisdale who are just looking for a job. I want someone who's managed under pressure before and turned clubs around. Um, and if there are managers out there who can get this squad playing better than Barton is, uh, then we have to take action, uh, I think. Anyway, Tom, Barton in or out? I'm Barton in for the same reasons that Nino is. Um, I was in my head kind of saying, right, 10 games, he's on eight league games, I'm kind of discounting the cup. The 10th game, interestingly, is at home to Swindon, Ben Garner Swindon. And I was kind of thinking that would be quite poetic justice if we lose that and then he gets binned. But I don't, I think that's too soon. And I I think basically, yeah, we're all in now. So we, we got to stick with him. And if it carries on like this, we got to pray to God that he gets sent down for one of the two court cases he's got coming up. And then we don't, he can go and we don't have to pay him compo and all that kind of stuff. And it just kind of absolves us of any re- responsibility towards him. I, that's, I, that's my feeling. I, I don't know because with the compo thing, I'm just like, what can afford it? This is his mistake. Pay it. I, I'm kind yeah. of, I'm kind of of that opinion. It's his money. Like he, I'm kind of just like, well, 
we should try and see how it goes and then hope the court cases means we can get it cheaper. I'm kind of like, no, just, you know, this is Wiles' failure if this manager doesn't work. He went all in on it. So he should have to face the brunt of the financial consequences to fix it. I, I, I kind of, that to me isn't so much of an issue. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, if, if, if it's not working and you can make it better quicker while we still got more games left to play, then I would just do it. But, you know, I'm not the man with the money who's, you know, saved our football club. So I shouldn't really be telling him where to put his money. Now, I think, I think for me, like if, if those two court cases didn't exist and none of that was there, I think I would probably be saying out right now. But I think because they are there and because obviously like this is just a complete guess and speculation based on, you know, very little because I am guessing the chances are that there's a good chance he'll get found guilty of at least one of them. And we know that Wiles come out and said that if that does happen, he's gone, basically. It almost, in my head, makes me think we might as well just give it until those court cases come around. Um, because who knows, in that time, he may turn it around and there may be some shoots of recovery by that point. And if there is, at least the players will have some confidence and will have a few wins on the board. And then if he does get found guilty, yes, someone else comes in, but they'll be taken over a squad that is a bit, you know, has a bit more going for it than it does right now. Um, and obviously, if we get to his court cases, we're still as bad as we are now, and he gets found guilty and gets terminated, then it's kind of just like a natural end point to it without us. I wouldn't say prematurely because my God, he's been here like it's been here a long time now, and his record's just abysmal. It's the worst in our history, I believe, in terms of win percentage. So he couldn't exactly go crying about him being not given a chance if he got sacked now. But I just think those court cases do make a difference for me in terms of how I think about it. It's a good point about you know having that someone else come in because we had that ready-made replacement in Clint Hill, who's now buggered off to go and help at Hartlepool who then went and beat us that's really frustrating for me because I always had it in the back of my head as all of us have if he you know gets his contract terminated and we've picked up form who would you want to take over you'd basically want Clint Hill just to step in because he's been working with the players he's been there since day one and then we've got to basically roll the dice again and go for a, a Sol Campbell or a, I've seen Gary Johnson mentioned which oh my god if, if I could find a way to really boil more people's piss, it'd be Cottrell or Gary Johnson or Lee Johnson. Like, you know, you've, you've already annoyed everyone with Barton. Why not just chuck a shithead in there? Go for it. I somehow think Sol Campbell would piss off more people than an ex-City, <laughs> an ex-city manager. So for some reason, a lot of people just don't like Sol Campbell for his past opinions. But um, I don't know. I think he'd, he'd be, be an entertaining. Yeah, I like his little Twitter videos now and again. He's a bit of a maniac, but yeah, I I quite like it. As much as I enjoy chatting about Sol Campbell, just to go back to Barton in the Orient game a minute. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the, one, <laughs> the one thing that, or not the one thing, one of the things that just makes me think there is no hope of this improving is the fact that Last season, we conceded set pieces all season, just under Garner, under Tisdale. Barton came in, continued happening, and he would come out after every game we conceded a set piece and say, when I've got my own players and I've had a preseason with them and we're more organised, this won't happen. And then against Orient, two of them were from set pieces. And this season, I think we've conceded quite a few of our goals from set pieces. And just every time the other team have a set piece against us, I just think we're going to concede. Like I think we were on the um stood on the Blackthorn Max on on Saturday, and you turned to me and said something like, "The average rate that teams score from set pieces is something like they score one in forty or something." Was it like that? One in fifty corners going. One in fifty corners going. It feels like against us, it's like one in three. It's just <laughs> it, it's just mad. And I know that set pieces are a big part of the game, but it feels like set pieces and defending corners are something that if you've got decent defenders at the club and you're a decent coach and you can get a side organised, you shouldn't be still that vulnerable. Like He's had a whole pre-season. He brought in five or six new defenders. He's had a whole pre-season to work 
on making us not be such a soft touch from set pieces anymore. And it's just exactly the same. Uh, it, we're still as fallible from set pieces as we were last season when it wasn't his defenders and he was bleating on about it. And it's, it's no different now. Um, I'm still butting in, by the way, but <laughs> I'm just saying it's just another one of those things that makes me look at it and think there's just no hope for this turning around because it should have, it should be better. Well, I think that's all we've got time for this week. It's been a really cheery one. Um, I actually feel cathartic. I feel like I've I've got a lot of it off my chest. How do you guys feel after that like one hour rant session? Are you feeling like a, a bit of a weight lifted off you or are you just even more depressed than you were when we hit record? I've got another three hours in me, to be honest. I could, I've could. i only just started warming up about that and I could go on. I'm, all I'm night. buzzing for the train on Saturday then. I'm, you're going to be yeah. in my ear the whole way. <laughs> Even though I'm the only one here who's actually properly barred <laughs> I can't believe I, that. I, feel, I can't believe I'm the only one who is. I, I, could, I was convinced all three of us were going to say Barton out, but I do I do get your points on it for sure. I definitely feel like I've had like therapy, essentially. I've just blurted out all my innermost feelings about Barton and Rovers, and I feel much better for it. I'll sleep much better tonight for it. So thank you, lads. No problem. Glad to be of service, Mets. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Our next episode likely will be in a fortnight's time, which will be after the Swindon result. So um, there may be an emergency pod or there may not be um, on that uh, Sunday morning after the game uh, or indeed the Saturday night. But uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled. We'll obviously keep you all up to date on socials. Um, gascastpodcast.co.uk for all of our match previews and fan opinions. Check it out, guys. Uh, and thanks very much for joining us. All that's left to say is up the gas. Up the gas. Up the gas. <laughs> <laughs>